Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go to Morbidly Beautiful for all your horror pop culture needs from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and everything in between. They have a great library podcast as well, which I highly suggest checking out, including my latest one, Cheer and Loathing, where Stephanie, the editor-in-chief of Morbidly Beautiful, and I bitch about movies for an hour and a half or so. So once you're all done here, you know where to head for some more me content. Although, I don't know why you'd want that. Anyway, we're going to continue our break from true crime this week and just look at some more lore and folklore and mythology and all that sort of stuff. I'm kind of on a kick, so bear with me. We'll get back to some real life stuff before too long. Now, last week we talked about owls and their kind of association with myth and legend. So here this week, we're going to kind of continue that. Uh, I think an owl plays a very small role in this story, but regardless, this is the Welsh story of Blodoweth. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Just a quick disclaimer before we start, these names are, as I said, in Welsh. So there's a lot of weird things with the Welsh language that don't translate directly to English, including what letters sound like. So I'll do my best. Most of it's going to be pronounced phonetically. I do know some things, like the double D at the end is like a th sound. So with that knowledge in mind, let's just kind of get to it. So who was Blodewuth? Well, she was a woman who was created by the wizards Math and Gwydion out of three flowers. And the name is a direct translation of flower face, because she was created with three flowers. These were oak from the high forest, meadow sweet from the forest clearing, and a flower of broom from the forest edge. Some versions say that the chosen form made from the flowers became a woman so that she would always be able to look at the sun, which flowers are known for their love of doing and is essential for them to, you know, survive. What flowers was Bluluith made from? Well, there were said to be nine of them, some which included oak, primrose, broom, and meadowsweet. Naturally, Bluluith would be known as the goddess of flowers, emotion, the wisdom of innocence, and initiation ceremonies, because everything has to have a god associated with it, including the specific nature of initiation ceremonies. She's also known as the ninefold goddess of the Western Isle of Paradise. Bluluith's tale is the last of the four branches of the man begone. So that's a fun word. Let's look into what that means a little later on. Cliffhanger. Gotcha. All right, but what is the legend of Blodoweth? Well, Lila Giffis was put under a tinged or a curse by his mother, Arianord, who was a Celtic goddess of the sky. The goddess was ashamed of Lu and prevented him from being able to claim his knightly birthright unless she allowed it. He would not receive armor unless they were from her. He would also never be able to have a human wife, meaning he could not become a king. Arianord was tricked by the magician's math and Gwydion into giving him his name and arms. They then created Bluteweth out of flowers for him solely, so he could be rid of his curse completely. Lu then of course fell in love with the beautiful woman at first sight and on their marriage was able to take on his kingship. He was then given the land of Iphineth and Ardui to rule by math. 
See, the difference between Celtic time and today is in Celtic times, you were born into your mother's inheritance and not your father's. As Bluedowith was a goddess of flowers and represented nature and land, by marrying her, Lu is then able to cement his kingship claims. However, like any good mythological tale, there is a hitch in the story. Bluedowith did not feel the same at first but was content with the arrangement being the perfect wife to her husband, but soon she would grow lonely and turn her eyes to the sun in longing, unsatisfied with her fate. One day, as Lou was out visiting his uncles, and Bluedowith was alone in the castle, she saw a hunting party approach, and they were looking for shelter for the night. Once they were allowed in, she met the handsome hunter named Pebir, the lord of nearby Penelin. They both immediately fell in love with each other. The goddess attracted to the light that she saw within Grun, he had awakened her feelings of passion and love. From then on, the lovers would meet and spend time together in secret. As time went on, Bluedowith knew Grun was the man she was meant to be with, and so the two of them decided that in order to be free, they would have to kill Lu. However, one of the wizards who created Bluedowith, Gwydion, was also Lu's uncle and had placed a protection spell on his nephew. There was indeed only one way that he could be killed, and Lu knew what it was. Bluedowith and Groan came up with a plan to find out the secret. She would beg him and beg him and beg him for him to tell her his secret. Now, how does one just ask somebody for the way to kill them? What would be the most logical way to mask your intentions? Well, she would say, hey, I need to know your secret so I can better protect you should anything happen. That's a pretty good lie. I'm not going to lie here. That was a pretty good one. Sneaky, Bluedowith. Sneaky. It did take some time, but with Bluedowith's persistence, and Lou was so much in love with her, he eventually did tell her, though the method of his death was a riddle in and of itself. He could not be killed indoors or out or on horse or on foot. The only weapon that could kill him would be a spear that took a year to make and could only kill him during a sacred time. Now, naturally, upon learning this, Bluedowith tells Grown this information, and he begins working on a spear immediately. When the weapon was ready, Bluedowith managed to get Lou to demonstrate to her the circumstances for his death, saying she wanted to know how to avoid his death altogether. Lou prepared a bath on the bank of a river and covered it with a thatched roof. He then stands with one foot on the bathtub and the other on a goat. It is at this moment that Groan, hidden nearby, throws a spear at the man, which hits him in the side. Immediately, Lou turns into an eagle, which flies away. Now, that's an oopsie moment if I've ever heard one. I mean, there's no going back from that. You are caught red fucking handed. Especially since Lou found his way back to Gwydion, who turned him back into his human form and nursed him back to health. Now, after a year, Lou returns to his castle, where Bluedowith and Groan have been ruling the land together. He demands revenge for what Groan did to him, and Groan has no choice but to accept because ancient laws and mythology? Anyway, he asks Lou for a stone to be put between him and Lou as a kind of shield, which is agreed to. It doesn't do any good, however, as the spear goes straight through the stone and kills Groan. Now, the legendary stone is said to still exist at Lygroan in Sipnel Valley. Bluedowith runs away to the forest, but is tracked down by the wizard Gwydion, enraged by her betrayal of his nephew. She is then turned into an owl, a bird of the night, denied the rays of the sun she loved so much, and destined to a life 
in solidarity by herself with nobody else. So we mentioned the sort of religion that this brings into light here. And that was the Mambignon. And I think I'm pronouncing that right. I could be very, very wrong. It goes by today's name of Mabinogi. Again, could be wrong, but hey. And is the earliest collection of prose in Britain. The 11 medieval stories were traditionally oral tales from the 11th century. The stories within the collections have themes of drama, romance, tragedy, betrayal, magical fantasy, and of course, politics. The stories are thought to come from different authors, but who they are is lost to history. It is thought to be a single piece of work that has been split into four parts, or branches, as we mentioned earlier, and each branch has a leading figure in the title. These figures in the book order are Poole, Brenwin, Manawidin, and Math. The fourth branch, Math, son of Mathunui, where Bluedewith can be found, is a story of romance, deception, and treachery. Out of all the mythologies out there, I want to know what your favorite one is. You can do that by leaving a message on social media. Facebook seems to be pretty popular lately, at least it's getting a lot of likes and attention for some reason, even though I never use it. But that's beside the point. Tell me your favorite mythology. Everybody's got one, be it Celtic, Norse, Greek, Roman, so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. There's so many cultures around the world that celebrate these wonderful myths and collections of culture that really lay the foundation for pretty much every modern story, religion, whatever out there. So let me know, what one do you enjoy the most? I know a lot of people really like the Greek and Egyptian ones. I'm personally a fan of the Celtic lore. Uh, it's just kind of where I'm from originally. Ancestry, anyway. I did one of those 23andMe things, and guess what? 99.6% British. I think I'm more British than the Queen, despite living in Canada and never having stepped foot in the UK. But I digress. I know this is a little bit of a shorter episode this week, and I do apologize for that. However, this new job and all these other little things I've got going on is taking a lot of time away from the things I really love, like this podcast. But I'll be back with a more feature-length, quote-unquote feature-length episode in the near future. Also, I did one earlier this week, so yeah, I mean, I'm kind of burning out. My voice is getting raw. You might be able to hear it a little bit. I've been doing a lot of voice work as well, but I've rambled on long enough for the end of this episode. I really do hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a five-star rating on Spotify. You can only do it on the mobile app right now, I believe, but hopefully that'll change. And there's no reviews, it's just a rating. But that's all we need. However, if you do want to leave a review, you can do so on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And doing so, we'll get a shout-out for you on the next episode after I see it. Other than that, you can find me on social media on Facebook at HorrorShots, on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, or on Instagram at OminousOriginsPod. So until next time, have a good one.